My name is Ryan. I have the blessing and privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Awaken and, and the honor of preaching from God's word this morning as we continue in this series that we are calling Kingdom Culture. How many of you are enjoying the series? Most of you. I know it's been challenging too. It's okay if you're, you're still wrestling with it because for several weeks now, right, we've been talking about what it, what it means, what it looks like for us to live not by the culture of the world, but by Kingdom Culture. And if you've been with us throughout this series, then you know that, that Paul, he really started this letter off by addressing some sort of big picture topics, marriage, sex, idol worship, all of these things that were the, the main focus points for the culture of the day for the Corinthians, many of which remain, you know, a main focal point for our culture here today. The same ways that, that the, the culture around us is trying to influence those of us within the church. That's why this letter is still so relevant for us here 2,000 years later. But what we've seen, if you've been with us throughout this series, is that as Paul continues on, he sort of starts to narrow his focus in a little bit. From the big picture things that were affecting everybody, now to sort of like the in-house conversations, right? These things that the Corinthian church, those within the church walls, were really wrestling with. And of course, we know that Paul's letter to the Corinthians, it's actually a response to a letter that they sent to him. And so he's addressing some of the questions that they have. Well, this morning, we're going to look at some questions they had about how to live as kingdom culture carriers within the four walls of the church. Again, it's that in-house conversation. How do we operate as a healthy church family within the context of our worship gatherings? We have them here on Sunday mornings. We also have them at life groups, at prayer nights. How do we conduct ourselves as kingdom culture carriers in those settings? That, that portion of Paul's letter, it really started in earnest last week. For those of you who are here, we talked about head coverings, fascinating conversation. Uh, it's going to continue this morning as Paul addresses the topic of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, right? And there's a lot of questions that we have around spiritual gifts. They're the same questions that the Corinthians in the early church had. What are spiritual gifts? How are we supposed to use them? Why do we have them? Who gets them? These are questions that all of us still have, and thankfully, Paul writes in this portion of his letter to help the Corinthian church to understand the purpose of these gifts and how they were called to use them. And here's why I think this passage is so important, why this message is still so, so relevant for us today. It's because these spiritual gifts are what God has given us to equip and to enable us to continue the mission of Jesus here on earth. Let me say that again. These spiritual gifts are what God has used to, to give us, right, to equip and to enable us to continue Jesus' mission here on earth. If you look to, to, to Luke's writing on the Gospel of Luke, right, these are the things that Jesus began. I love that, that phrasing. You'll miss it. These are the things that Jesus began, he says. It's because they continue to carry on today, and they do so through these gifts that each one of us have been given. You all with me so far? Because it's important that we understand these gifts that each of us have been given. It's important that we understand that they are valuable and useful. So we're going to get to what those gifts are in just a minute. But I actually wanted to start off just by asking you, have you ever received a gift, right? Whether it's maybe a birthday, maybe a Christmas present, that you didn't find particularly valuable or useful? By show of hands, anybody? I'm not going to ask you to tell what it is or to shame your spouse or anything like that. Yeah, a good handful of you. Oh, now your hand goes up, Kyle. Okay. We've all received a gift like that. My favorite example came a couple of years ago. Uh, we're at a, a, a Christmas party. We did a white elephant gift exchange, okay? 
Y'all have probably done these, and you know, like, you're not going to get a very valuable or useful gift out of white elephant gift exchange. That's sort of the purpose of it. But this one took the cake. I actually brought it here with me today. This is called a shock tato. A shock tato. Yeah, you heard me right. This is what you get when you mix the, uh, the childhood game of hot potato with the threat of electromagnetic shock. <laughs> not exactly useful, right? Unless you enjoy the feeling of anxiety, right? Or the feeling of like voltage running through your veins. Anyways, this, this gift gets unwrapped and of course it gets a good laugh. But almost immediately, when the couples that, that got it, they, they, they tried to start like, you know, promoting it to other people. You guys have been a part of one of these white elephants. Like, hey, don't you want, don't you want this one? Well, nobody took the bait. And of course, in the end, actually what they found out, the gift giver said, hey, why don't you open up the box and look inside? Well, there was a gift card to a very nice coffee shop here in town for some very delicious coffee. So as it turns out, this gift was much more valuable, much more useful than they originally thought it would be. So why do I share this ridiculous example? Well, because I believe for most of us, the spiritual gifts, we often see them a lot like this shock tato. Either they, we don't see them as particularly valuable or useful, or maybe some of us were perhaps a little bit scared about what's gonna happen if we open up the box. Well, my hope and my prayer today, family, is that God would, would speak to you through his word to reveal to you that these spiritual gifts you have they're valuable. They're incredibly useful. They're not scary at all. They have been given to us to be used to continue the mission of Christ here on earth to advance his kingdom. Y'all with me this morning? Anybody want to try the shock tato? We can do that later. For now, would you guys pray with me? Father, it is such a blessing, Lord, just to be in your house with my family this morning. Lord, we're so grateful for this opportunity we have to learn from your word. I pray that you would just use it, Lord. Would you enlighten us? Would you encourage us this morning so that we might better understand, better embrace, better use these gifts that you have given us for your glory? Pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. Love for you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is gonna be our focus text this morning. And Paul is going to start off in the first few verses by, again, helping the Corinthian church to make a distinction uh, between the sort of idol culture that was around them and the kingdom culture they were called to live in Christ. So he starts by saying this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Okay, we're going to pause right there because some of that probably doesn't make any sense to us, right? We came to realize last week that 2,000 years of, of culture can create quite a bit, a gap of misunderstanding, right? So we have to understand the context. We have to dig through some of the cultural context so we can understand the spiritual principles that lie underneath. And what you find when you look back to the cultural context of the Corinthians is a culture that, or pagan worship was just, it was everywhere. It was part of just what you do. It's like Texas here in football. You may not even, uh, football here in Texas, my bad. You guys get the point. 
you may not even like football. You're still going to find yourself on a Friday night or a Saturday or even on a Sunday. You're going to be watching football. It just sort of happens by just living in Texas. The same thing uh, happened for those that were in the city of Corinth. They may not even be worshiping these gods. They would find themselves at the temple because it was sort of the cultural thing to do. And the purpose of this temple worship for those that went there to engage in it was to achieve and or to receive. Those are really the two main purposes. Either to achieve some sort of heightened physical or spiritual state or to receive some sort of provision. Whether they were looking for, for health or for finances or for wisdom, they would go there searching for one of those two things. And so in the middle of this context, what happens is these Jesus followers, these Christians, they start experiencing and receiving some of these things that these Corinthian people were aimlessly searching the temples for. You can imagine, that'd be a bit confusing, right? Why are we getting these gifts? Who's getting them? How are we supposed to use these things? Again, these are the questions that they're asking of Paul because they see how the rest of the world worships and then they're experiencing some of these same things themselves. And so Paul has to create this distinction between the ways that the world is living and the ways that they were called to live. And so the first important distinction that Paul makes is to say that spiritual gifts are given by God through the Holy Spirit to bring glory to Jesus. That's point number one this morning. It's an important point that spiritual gifts are given by God through the Holy Spirit to bring glory to Jesus. That's why Paul says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Because the purpose of the Spirit and the gifts he gives are to glorify Christ. Jesus says this himself, John 15, 26. He says, but when the helper comes, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. One chapter later, he he sort of uh, embellishes on this. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will speak not on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Here it is. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit gives gifts from Jesus in order to glorify Jesus. That means that these spiritual gifts are not given to to elevate an individual. They're not given to elevate a church. Anything used to bring glory to something or someone else other than Jesus is either not a spiritual gift or it is a gift that's being used inappropriately. Are we clear on that? This is a foundational truth, family, when it comes to spiritual gifts. Before we can even talk about the gifts, we must understand their purpose, which is to bring glory to Jesus. Just like Paul says in Romans 11, 36, from him and through him and to him are all things. It's all for his glory. So if you want to know what a spiritual gift looks like, what it, what it, how it ought to be used, this is the primary filter that we need to see through. Is it bringing glory to Jesus? Or is it bringing glory to people? Right? Is it bringing glory to Jesus or is it being, bringing glory to a church? If it's bringing glory to Jesus, that is a spiritual gift that is being properly used. Now, that's not the only filter we must look through. Paul's actually going to call out another important purpose for spiritual gifts in verses 4 through 7. Look there with me. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. 
to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So what Paul is saying is that not only are these spiritual gifts given by God through the Holy Spirit to bring glory to Jesus, but they're also given by God through the Holy Spirit to bless others. It's point number two for those of you taking notes this morning. Given by God through the Holy Spirit to bless others. Now this is another important one to call out because the Corinthian culture, again, looked a lot like ours. There was a lot of selfishness going on even within the church. Everybody was out to get theirs. Again, it was this whole achieve or receive mentality. What can I get from the church? How can I elevate myself within the church? What is the church doing for me? How does the church make me feel? I know none of us can relate to that here this morning. That's why Paul is so crucial here on clarifying that these gifts, they don't have that purpose. These gifts are meant to bless others. And the good news for you, family, if you're here this morning and you don't know that you have a spiritual gift, is you have one. Right? Paul says here, to each is given. To each means to each believer. Right? That's not to each church partner, each person that goes through fully engaged, although we want you to do that. It's to each is given these gifts. Some may get more than one, but to each is given a special role within the church. Now, these spiritual gifts, they can be a lifelong gifting or they can just be a temporary empowerment. But the point is, each of you has one. Each of you has been given one, maybe even more than one. Which leads me to a really crucial question this morning. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Do you know? There's no, there's no shame if you don't. <laughs> but it's important that you do. That's why it's a crucial part of our church partnership process. If you've been through Fully Engaged, you know this. We want to know what your spiritual gift is. Not for us, but for you. Because oftentimes where your spiritual gifting is, that's exactly where your purpose in life lies. Got to know your spiritual gift. If you don't yet know that, man, come find me. Come find one of your pastors afterwards. We'll send you a spiritual gifts assessment. It's not a foolproof thing, but it'll help start that conversation. Let me just clarify a couple of things before we move on. First, I want to make sure that you know that gifts are not given based on merit. This is one's important. Gifts are not something that you earn. I think sometimes we get this idea in our mind that, that those who get certain spiritual gifts are like the super Christians, right? The, it's the people that always drive the speed limit. They don't cuss. They, they help the little ladies across the street. Like that's the person who gets the really good gifts. But nowhere in scripture does it say that. In fact, if you look at the, the Corinthian church as an example, you'll see that these are really spiritually immature Christians. And yet God is just lavishing these gifts on them. And we'll get to why in a moment. But I want you to know these gifts aren't given as a reward. They are given to bring glory to Jesus and to bless others. It really doesn't have a whole lot about who you are other than the fact that you're walking with Christ. So these gifts, they're not earned. And second, no one gift is better than another. If you remember back to last week, I talked about how our culture, how the Corinthian culture, they used the things that made us different to draw dividing lines. That was happening within the church, right? People were seeing one gift as more important than another. But what Paul is saying here is that there are a variety of gifts. And that this variety is by design. Variety is a good thing. I want to show you an example of what I mean. I've got a picture here of the Beatles' first album. You guys see a lot of variety in that picture? 
Obviously not, right? But it's not just the haircuts where there's a lack of variety. Because if you know anything about the Beatles, you know that all four of them, uh, they wrote songs. I think all four of them sang. I think three of the four of them played guitar. There wasn't a whole lot of variety in this band. And so they lasted, what, maybe seven or eight years before they broke up? If you look at another one of the most famous bands of all time in, in U2, you'll see that they had one lead singer, one lead guitarist. These guys are still selling out stadiums 30 plus years after their first album release. What I'm trying to help you see through this simple example is that variety is important. It's necessary for us to thrive, especially when it comes to us as a church. If we all look the same and have the same gifting, well, we'd have some issues on our hands, wouldn't we? One of the things I've been so encouraged by with this fully engaged process as we've been having y'all take these spiritual gifts assessment is to see this variety lived out. I've got a graph here that just shows a picture of what the spiritual giftings of our church looks like. Now, this isn't everybody. This is those of you who have gone all the way through the, the fully engaged process. But I think it shows you this variety that God has given us. It's incredible. Right? Each one of us is uniquely gifted by God to do the things that he has called us to do as his church, bringing glory to Jesus and blessing others. Y'all ready to get to these gifts now? All right, let's get to it. Verses 8 through 11, would you join me? It says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So what Paul lists here are nine spiritual gifts that are given by God through the Holy Spirit. However, this is not a, a comprehensive list. In fact, you're going to find a, another list at the end of chapter 12. You'll find another list in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Peter chapter 4. So there's a few different lists throughout the New Testament that talk about these spiritual gifts. And if you cross-reference these, what you'll find is that there are actually 18 different spiritual gifts mentioned in the New Testament. No one, gifts, no one list contains all of them. Some of them have differing gifts. And so what does this all mean for us? Well, we don't have time to get into all of that today. You're going to have to do some studying on your own in those chapters. But what I want to point you to this morning isn't to do like deep dives in all 18 or even on the nine of them, but I want to show you how these gifts are meant to bring glory to Jesus and to bless others. Okay, so again, spend some time this week in life groups, connect with one of your pastors if you want to know more specifics about any one of these gifts. We're just going to kind of hit each of them at a high level this morning, beginning with the gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom is the supernatural ability to point others to the wisdom of God. I say supernatural because this is a bit more than simply reciting a proverb that you've memorized, right? That could be helpful to somebody, not exactly a spiritual gift. Just like the gift of knowledge goes beyond what you've learned from a textbook, right? It goes from beyond just reading scripture. These are things that are supernaturally given to you in order to bring glory to Jesus and to bless others. These gifts, they go beyond our, our personal strengths, right? We can oftentimes get these things mixed up. My personal strengths are something that we either inherit or that we can develop. But spiritual gifts, these are things that, that come about when we, we have a, a spiritual birth, when we are born again. 
right? These are not something that we inherit or something that we can develop on our own. Everybody on the same page? We good? Cool. All right. After wisdom and knowledge, Paul lists faith. And while all believers uh, have, you know, some faith, this is that next level faith, that step out of the boat onto the water like Peter type of faith. Okay, that is a gift that God gives through the Holy Spirit. And next, Paul shifts to the physical manifestations. He talks about the gifts of healing and miracles. These are gifts that are given by some to testify to who God is. But they're always going to align with his will. Notice my word choice there. Testify to who God is, but it's always going to align with his will. They're, they're typically organically given. They're typically uh, temporary gifts that God gives but they're always going to align with his will. For instance, Paul was given this gift, but he wasn't able to heal himself. So this gift always has to align with his will. You see some people that will, will, will misuse these gifts, use them for their own benefit. Again, so we have to, to look at it through that lens. Does it bring glory to Jesus? Does it bless others? And does it align with God's will? The next gift is frequently misunderstood, and that's the gift of prophecy. I say misunderstood because I think what comes to mind for many of us when we hear that word is that, oh, that's when somebody's able to like foretell uh, the future, right? And that certainly is uh, one manifestation, one expression of this gift. We see it really clearly in the New Testament. You know, even those that weren't the apostles, we see in Acts 11, Acts chapter 21, a guy named Agabus. However, the gift of prophecy is often given uh, for the foretelling not the foretelling, but the foretelling, which allows a person with this gift to be able to explain the present through God's perspective. So you see the difference there? Like we tend to think of it as, as the foretelling of the future, but most often it's used for the foretelling of the present. How you can help people understand their current situation from God's perspective, bringing instruction, bringing encouragement for individuals within this collective body of Christ. And so on the flip side of the gift of prophecy, we see the distinguishing of spirits, or many of you may more commonly refer to as the gift of discernment. The purpose of this gift is really to prevent confusion within the church, right? To protect it from false teaching. It's meant to counterbalance that prophetic gifting. So if somebody shares a, a prophetic word, somebody with the gift of discernment will be able to discern whether or not that is from the Lord or maybe just from that individual. Just like we see that balance between prophecy and discernment, our last two gifts, they complement one another as well. It's the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Now I'm going to give a little caveat here to say that Paul is going to address this one much more uh, specifically in chapter 14. We're going to hit on that next week. So encouragement for y'all to be here for that message. But I do want to say just a few simple things here this morning. First, the gift of tongues is the gift of a personal prayer language that is given by God to allow a believer to communicate with him beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding. Beyond the limits of knowledge and understanding. But remember the main purpose of these gifts, right? To bring glory to Jesus and to bless others. That's why tongues can play an important role in the personal life of a believer. That personal devotional life with Jesus. But also why scripture makes it clear that, that tongues have a smaller place within the corporate life of a church especially in the more public worship gatherings. Like I said, we're going to get into a lot more of the specifics and details of what Paul outlines in chapter 14 next week. But for the sake of this discussion, the focus for Paul, for the Corinthians, 
and for us is the purpose of these gifts. It's to bring glory to Jesus, to bless others, and lastly, it's to build his church. It's point number three this morning. Spiritual gifts are given by God through the Holy Spirit to build his church. Look back with me at chapter 12. Paul is going to, uh, he's going to emphasize this point with a really brilliant illustration, calling us the body of Christ. Look at me with verses 12 through 27. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So I did a little fact-finding on Google this week didn't do particularly well in the health sciences, and so I was kind of refreshing my memory about the human body, and I learned this, that the human body is made up of 206 bones, over 600 muscles, 78 organs, and get this, approximately 60,000 miles of blood vessels. 60,000 miles in one body. I'm the only one that's surprised by that? Okay, <laughs> that's fine. I thought it's pretty cool. But see, while the makeup of, of our bodies reveals the truth of who God is, it also points to, to how he has designed and built his church. And that just like the body needs all of its parts, the church needs all of us. Because what would happen if you were to remove a part of your body? Well, it depends on the part of the body, of course, but regardless of which part, you would be jeopardizing your body's ability to thrive in the way that God intended it. Well, the same goes for the church, right? We need all of our members engaged in order for us to thrive in the ways that God intended us to, in order for us to accomplish the mission that God has put before us. Can't remove a part of the body. And so what that means for us here at Awaken is that we can only grow and grow in a healthy way to the extent that each of us are willing to fill the role that God has put us in. Plain and simple. Right, regardless of which part of the body you've been called to play, your willingness to be engaged it affects all of us. We are interdependent on one another. And we see this really clearly in the human body, right? Let me ask you, what would happen if your, if your left elbow was itching and, and your brain didn't send the signal to, to your right hand to do something about it? You're pretty agonizing, right? Some of you are like, oh, I can feel it right now, it's itching. 
Or, or what would happen if the brain did send the signal down to the right hand and said, hey, go, go itch the left elbow, and the right hand's like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm a little busy right now. My bandwidth, I'm, I'm a little spread thin. Why don't you ask the right foot to do something about it? It's silly, right? But yet we do that with each other. We do that. The body of Christ needs all of us. We've got to all be engaged. In the same way, just like the individual parts of the body, we've got to work together. We've got to all be engaged and we have to work together. Let me, let me paint the picture for you a little bit. I don't know if you've ever been to like a touristy location uh, where you see like these street performers. But I grew up in Southern California and every once in a while I'd find myself in Venice Beach. Right? And there'd be lots of different street performers there. Some pretty unique individuals out there. But I remember one time I uh, was out there and there was this juggler out there. Not uncommon in Venice Beach. There's not a lot that's uncommon in Venice Beach. But this guy, this guy was uh, juggling bowling pins. And so I'm watching from a distance. I'm like, oh, that's cool, you know. Uh, but then he started, he got these, uh, these flaming batons out. And I was like, okay, now you've got my interest. I started walking over. By the time I get over there, he sets the, the flaming batons down and he pulls out three chainsaws. I'm like, okay, I'm here for this. <laughs> and I started watching this guy and he starts juggling these chainsaws. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, like the hand-eye coordination that's involved in this. Right? The mental focus that's involved in this. Not to mention your heart. I mean, his heart to be beating a mile a minute. So how important is it that this guy's entire body is fully engaged in what he's doing? I'd say pretty important, right, if you wanted to keep all of those parts of his body. <laughs> well, the same goes for us, family. We've got to learn how to work together so we don't risk losing a part of the body. It's what we risk when we can't work together, when we can't be united so what does this look like? Well, Paul, he's actually going to show us a little bit here at the end of the passage. He said, when one member suffers, we suffer together. When one member suffers, we suffer together. Let's use that, that body illustration, right? Uh, I'm not a handy person, as I think I shared with you last week. Uh, there's been a few times where I've been hammering a nail, and I've missed the nail and hit my thumbnail. <laughs> if you've ever been in that situation, does only your thumb hurt? Absolutely not, right? You feel it throughout your entire body. Right? Just like if you like roll your ankle, you don't just feel it in your ankle, your whole body feels it. Your whole body compensates for it. Your whole body responds to it. It's how it should be for us as the body of Christ. But it's not just in the challenging moments, it's also in the joyful moments. That's why Paul says that we're, we're to rejoice together, right? to celebrate others, not to, not to fall into this comparison trap that it's so easy for us to fall into. Because we're all part of the same body. We're designed to, to work together, to, to humble ourselves and to serve one another. I love that image of the body of Christ because each part is serving another. The right hand scratches that left elbow when it's itching. The body compensates when another part of the body is hurting. Are y'all with me this morning? See, there's only one thing that doesn't contribute to the rest of the body. Only one thing that, that takes what it can get and uses itself to, to, to feed itself and to grow itself. Family, that's called cancer. I'm not, I'm not saying these things to, 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 to shame you or to, to guilt you into like serving in our kids' ministry or anything like that. That's not what I'm doing. But what I want to ask you to do is to ask yourself this question. Is the body of Christ suffering because you are not walking in your gifting? 
Seriously, I want you to ask yourself that right now. Is the body of Christ suffering because you are not walking in your gifting? It's not from a place of guilt or shame, but from an opportunity that you have to help us be the church that God has called us to be. So let me make the spiritual practical for us here as I wrap up and invite the band back up. We've talked a lot over the past year or so about how uh, we believe that the church is God's plan A to reach the world. And so if these spiritual gifts are what's given to us by God to build his church, well then my educated guess is that God has already given us everything we need to be the church that he has called us to be. Y'all with me on that? God has given us everything we need to be the church that he has called us to be. So the only question that's left is what is standing in our way? What's standing in our way from being the body of Christ that God has called us to be? Well, I believe it comes down to one of two things. One of two things. It's either a lack of knowledge or a lack of love. It's either a lack of knowledge or a lack of love. Let me explain what I mean. When I say a lack of knowledge, what I mean is that some of you just don't know what your gift is or you don't know why you have it. As I was thinking about that this week, I thought back to uh, C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't know if you've ever read that book, watched that movie. But there's this scene where Father Christmas, he, he gives to each of the, of the four children in the story this mysterious gift. It's this gift from Aslan, who's the, the lion in the story that, that represents Jesus. And at the time the kids receive these gifts, they're, they're super confused. Right? They don't make any sense. Why do we have these gifts? But later on, in the midst of their battle with, with the white witch, they start to realize that their gifts had a purpose. Lucy, the little girl, realized that her healing ointment was given to her so that she could help bandage up those who were hurt in the battle. Right, Peter, uh, the little boy, discovers this sword he was given was given to him to lead the people into that battle, to lead that attack on the white witch. See, these kids may not have fully understood the gift at the time, but each, each child discovered their purpose as they used these gifts. It would have been nice if, if Aslan, if the, the lion would have just told them right away, hey, here's your gift, here's exactly how I want you to use it, here's where I want you to use it. But he didn't. And nor does God. Right, he gives us these gifts and then he puts us in a position, in a place, and asks us to use them. So you may not know what your gift is. You may not even know exactly how to use it, but you have one. And I believe God's calling you, some of you to, to just step out and to start using your gift. Man, maybe it's on our setup and teardown team. Maybe it's in kids ministry. Maybe it's in life groups. I don't know where it is, but God has put you in a position. He has given you a gift. And I believe if you will start to use those, he will lead you to your purpose. But the thing is, it's going to require something of you. It always requires something of us. It requires us to, to risk something, to sacrifice something. And that risk, that sacrifice, it has to be fueled by love. That's the other thing that we oftentimes lack in what God's calling us to. It's love. Right? Paul points us to that in all of chapter 13. He says, without love, all of these gifts, they mean nothing. Because love is what brings us together. 
and it's what binds us together, and it's what God will use to build us up together as his church. And if there's one thing I know this church isn't short on, it's love. I've seen the way y'all love for each other. Through the good moments, through the hard moments, through the ugly moments, this church has no shortage of love. It's what I believe the Lord wants to do. I believe he wants to activate these gifts within us. I believe he's going to activate these gifts within us. But family, that requires you doing your part. Understanding what that gift is. And then using it to serve others. Are you willing, family? Are you willing to be a part of this body, to do your part in what God is doing here in building his church? I'm going to ask y'all if you would, just stand to your feet now. If you're comfortable, would you just open up your hands as we pray this morning? Father God, we are so grateful. We're grateful that you give good gifts to your children who love you. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here this morning for their love for one another. I pray that you would bring all these things together here this morning, Lord. Would you reveal to your children the gifts that you have given them? And would you give them the confidence would you give them the clarity? And would you stir within them the love that they need so that these gifts might be used to bring glory to Jesus, to bless one another, and to build your church. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.